Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. My guest today is Luke McElroy, and he's the Director of Sports Science at Mets Performance Consulting. And Luke helps athletes perform their VO2 max tests. He finds out what their lactate inflection point is and their resting metabolic rate. The reason that's important is is it can help you train more scientifically. So if you know what your individual heart rate is and where what training zones you should be in, it means you can be a lot more effective with the workouts that you're doing. So if you can get your training done in 10 hours a week instead of 15, it's going to give you more time to spend time with your family, rest and recover and do things outside of swimming or triathlon. So on this podcast, we talk about how you can avoid the gray zone. So you make making sure that you're doing your hard work hard enough and your easy work easy enough and how you can be more effective with the time that you spend training. So here's Luke explaining what he does and why it's important for athletes. Yeah, so the company itself is called Mets Performance Consulting, as you know. Um, so we specialize in helping endurance athletes improve their performance through access to affordable sports science testing, coaching, and consulting services. Um, so we're really focusing on um, not the elite athletes per se. So we're really trying to bridge that gap between access for the amateur guys, the age group, the recreational guys, um, just the, the keen um, everyday athlete that you see riding down Beach Road, um, bridging that gap to, to the elite guys who already have that that access to the sports science testing at, at that top level. So um, some of the testing we we do, um, the main one would be the VO2 max test and lactate analysis as well. Um, so what that involves is getting on a bike, a treadmill or a rower. And basically we start at a low intensity and we increase that workload gradually every minute um, or three minutes if you're doing lactate. Um, and you just go for as long and as hard as you can. And during that time, we measure all the respiratory data. We get ventilation. We get VO, uh, VO2, which is the oxygen consumption. Uh, you've got heart rate, um, lactate if we're measuring it, um, how many breaths per minute, how much oxygen out of each breath we're taking. Uh, and at the end of the test, we plot that down in some, into some graphs, um, have a look at uh, how, how aerobically efficient somebody is um, and, and w- at which stages of exercise they start to produce lactic acid and therefore fatigue um, and then from that we we get their vo2 max value which is the maximum volume of oxygen that somebody can take in transport and utilize in one minute so that's that's that value that a lot of people talk about and it's like you know what's your vo2 value um, so that's showing you your maximum capacity to actually use oxygen to create energy the reason that's important is because the more energy that we can create aerobically the less lactic acid that we produce, which causes that fatigue. So we can train or race harder for longer without fatiguing. Um, other things we get is their functional threshold power or, or their anaerobic threshold, as it's called sometimes. So what that is, that's that. the definition of that is the maximum intensity that somebody can hold for 45 to 60 minutes. Um, so that's really that functional component that a lot of endurance athletes are interested in. That VO2 max value, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, you can hold that for, for you know, four or five minutes, whereas that functional threshold power, we can go up to an hour or so in, with that. Um, so we get those those two values there, uh, and then we, we do some a little bit of maths and a little bit of analysis to figure out um, the training zones um, and and what what heart rate and power or heart rate and pace that correlates to in performance. So um, without going into too much detail, um, I, I put them into five five training zones, active recovery, endurance, 
threshold VO2 max and anaerobic. Um, and the way I do that, um, maybe you want to go and maybe we'll go into a bit further um, if you want to explore that. But um, basically, each zone has a very specific goal and a very specific purpose, um, and that that way we ensure that people are are training appropriately for for the type of stimulus they want to create on the body, uh, and then get the benefit associated with that. And and with the the testing, so it's uh, you're looking at the at what training zones people should be using and, and the heart rate zones that they should be sticking in and over time you know, if you're testing more than than once you'd hope to see an improvement in those or a change in those zones by them increasing their vo2 max or um or lactic threshold and that sort of stuff is that right yeah so it sort of depends what stage of the program they're in so um a lot of guys come in say at the beginning of their base building or, or aerobic phase where they do a lot of their long slow distance stuff um and they'll come back in. I generally tell people to come back in um, every three to six months, preferably that three-month period, which is a good amount of time to see adaptation. Um, so we, we see we see benefits in either VO2 max threshold or even if you're just doing your, your long, slow stuff, uh, we find a lower heart rate at the same workload as last time. So last time if you were running at you know four-minute pace, for example, and your heart rate was 170, Hopefully, next time you come in, when you're running at four-minute pace, your heart rate's now, you know, 163 or, you know, significantly lower than last time. Um, so it depends on the training they're doing, but any of those three benefits, VO2 max threshold or just lower sub-maximal heart rate is sort of what we're looking for. And so why hasn't this stuff been available to your your normal sort of age group triathlete or uh, or, or masters uh, swimmer in the past? Is it Has it been too expensive to, to do or... Um, you know, is the technology caught up that it's now more affordable? What's the um, what's the go there? Yeah, look, I think it's a combination of, of a couple of factors. Like the main one being that uh, everybody, not everybody, but the majority of people in the sports science industry want to work with elite athletes, um, and the the sort of everyday amateur age group athletes a little bit neglected in the, in that respect um, for this sort of testing. The affordability is obviously a big one. A lot of there's not a lot of places in Victoria that, that offer VO2 max testing and the, the type, but out of the ones that do, um, I think there's only one place that comes to mind that you can do it for for under about $320, which is a little bit uh, a little bit steep for the for, for an average athlete, especially if you want them to come back several times. Um, and the other one is I think it's just not advertised well, so um, you just don't hear about this type of testing very often. Um, the places that do it, the universities, etc., they don't advertise it um, over social media or, or to a great extent at all. So it's very much word of mouth only. Um, so I think the accessibility just wasn't there because people didn't know about where you can go to do it. The affordability wasn't there either. And, and sort of the focus or the, the passion to get to these age group athletes and these amateur athletes wasn't there either. Everyone wanted to go sort of the elite, the elite pathway rather than the, the um, sub-elite and, and amateur way. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, we've sort of had a similar thing with our our clinics. Is one of the biggest questions I get asked uh, for someone who's looking to book in is, uh, I think, is it too advanced for me? Uh, and this is coming from someone who might have, might have been swimming for the last couple of years, or they're looking to just sort of ramp up their swimming. They've been doing triathlons for one or two years, and I mean, we we have our clinics catered to everyone, and it's I think because you know, doing the video analysis and the underwater filming that we do, people might still have that perception that it's only for the people at the very top end. Uh, but with 
the the ease of access to GoPros, the iPads, all the analysis software, it's you know you can really open it up to to everyone, and uh, and similar to yourself, it's uh, you know they're the they're the people who can get a huge benefit from it. Your uh, your amateur swimmer or or triathlete because they might be just training in the wrong heart rate zones, and that's something that. I'm sure you've seen it. I've, I've seen it a lot in terms of people training in that grey zone where they're not quite uh, going easy enough to do that aerobic training and they're not quite going hard enough to, to do the higher intensity stuff. Is it, do you see that a lot with people's training? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, mate. I, um, what you see is uh, obviously the, the age group guys, they have the most to gain from this sort of testing because mm. they probably don't have that knowledge base behind them on actually how to train in these and these zones that they should be sticking in. Whereas the elite guys obviously get educated in all that. That's what they, they base their life around. Um, so common thing that I see is is people coming in. And, and first off, when, when they actually book over the phone or online, um, you know, the first thing they normally say is, oh, look, I'm just, a, just an average athlete, so I'm not sure if this testing is right for me. And straight away, I tell them that, look, the average age of my, of my client, client base is somewhere between 40 and 45 years old. So it actually is that, you know, they are just the amateur athletes coming in, um, just looking to get the best out of their body. So um, what, what, what I often see is people will come in and the, often, often people are over-volumized and they, don't, they, they just do a lot of long, slow stuff. And that's just how they base their endurance work. They're like, I want to do an Ironman. I, I need to to do a lot of long, slow training, which is obviously absolutely that's relevant, but they neglect the harder stuff as well. So mm. uh, a lot of people come in and they just, I, I usually say, go through a typical week of training and it's just long this, long that, you know, low heart rate, et cetera, et cetera. And if you train long, slow distances all the time, you become very efficient at racing long slow distances obviously but you know we want to be able to, to complete that distance um, as fast as possible for, for that person's physiology so um, the, the main the main issue that I see with people coming in is as I say they're over volumized they, they can do the distance but they can't do it quickly so even without doing a test alone just through a consultation I can tell them look you need to hit these higher zones um, and as you said you know we're, we're looking at really high zones not that not that mid-range sort of zone um, mm. And that's that's the best way to improve their um, there's this, the speed at which they can actually cover that distance. Another, another thing I find with with athletes is they get their work to rest ratios completely out of whack. Um, typical one is is say somebody who does maybe a, a track uh, a track uh, interval set uh, um, for running. Uh, they do let me let's, for example a typical session would be you know five by one k efforts with one minute recovery and that recovery is just a slow jog recovery uh and the, the issue with that is that it's 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 not an issue if you're training for that but what that is that's that's very very much in your threshold zone with the, with the goal of um, improving that anaerobic threshold and and exercising in the the presence of lactic acid the other zone the next zone up from that is is the vo2 max zone and the importance of this is you really need to be running at 95 percent or above um, of your VO2 max. So this is, it's not a sprint, but it's like at the end of the test that you do here where you're exhausted, you take off about 5% and that's the pace that we want to hold. Uh, the work to rest ratio for that sort of uh, zone is one to one. So if it takes you four minutes to do a 1K effort, you have to have four minutes rest. So what a lot of people do is they say, look, I'm going to have less rest and, and more effort because if I'm working harder, you know, that's going to get me the most benefit. Whereas the body physiologically doesn't respond to that it, it 
it, it will for a threshold session, but if you're trying to actually expand your aerobic engine and improve your aerobic power, we need to have that that one-to-one work to rest to to clear out the lactic acid and to maintain the quality of that session rather than just hanging on each interval and um, and being flooded with lactic acid in the muscle. So uh, mm. it's just about educating educating uh, the common age group athlete who who might not really know what they're doing. Um, but as I said, what you see is over-volumized or or work-to-rest ratios completely out of whack for what they're trying to achieve. Mm, that's it's interesting. There's a lot of similarities between, I guess, the people you work with and the people that we work with. And I mean, there'd be a lot of crossover as we we work with a lot of triathletes. Um, and one of the biggest things we see is just that training at one speed and, and only having access to one speed in the water because they just don't hit those those faster efforts and the higher intensity efforts. So um, we we pretty often see someone who, if they've never had a program written for them or swum with a squad, they don't have the understanding of what a, a normal swim workout would look like. And so they're going to the pool, they, they might just do two kilometers straight. There's no break in between. There's no variance of pace. It's just a like they were going for a run. It's just 2K nonstop. And you know, as soon as we start to introduce, uh, you know, break those workouts up into say 400 warm up, and then we might do uh, say 12 100s with about 30 to 40 seconds rest. And we're looking to sit um, around or just below your, your half Ironman pace. And then there's a bit of a, a cool down. So they're starting to get that heart rate up and you know, starting to introduce that variance of pace. They really then can start to build that, that power and the strength that they need in the water. Uh, and making sure we include some short, sharp sprints where they're sprinting for 25 meters or 50 meters, you know, it might be six fifties of almost pretty much an all out effort. And you have that towards the end of the session just to get them to, to feel that faster speed. And, um, it also, you know, it helps them, uh, physically with it. But one of the biggest things is it gets them used to swimming at that faster pace and they get a, a better idea of what their body feels like when they're, they've got more drag created because they're going faster. So they can then start to make some adjustments to their, technique and their stroke and their body position to sit themselves in a, a better position in the water so they're creating less drag and they're they're more efficient so just changing up that pace in in training is one of the things that um, a lot of newer triathletes and swimmers miss um, but it's one of the things that can have the biggest difference uh, in terms of their their speed and their their results yeah absolutely and it all comes down to specificity like if you're going to do a, a long swim if you're doing marathon swimming or whatever it is uh, at the end of the day yes your majority of your training has to be that that longer stuff you know they, they normally say you know 80 percent long slow and 20 percent of really really quality high intense sessions so um, by mixing up the pacing and chucking a few 50 meter sprints etc uh, it is specific because in a race you don't necessarily go one pace. You know, there's a, a sudden, you know, at the start you need to jostle for position and you want to obviously you go out a bit harder at the start than you do during the middle stages and then you have to kick again at the end to, um, to hopefully come home strong. So you definitely need to train uh, at different speeds. Um, and at the end of the day, it comes down to specificity. And it actually is specific because, you, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily race at one speed. There are surges in, in packs, whether it's swimming, triathlon, cycling, whatever it is. Um, so if you don't do that, that mixed up or that variance in training volume and training intensity, um, you know, you get caught out on race day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what attracted you to doing this sort of testing and this, uh, sort of work with people? Yeah. So look, I, um, I, I graduated Deakin university with a, a bachelor of exercise and sports science and throughout that whole journey, 
I, I was really, um, really interested and found a passion for the for the endurance side of, of sport and performance. So I was always, you know, always the first one to volunteer to do the VO2 max or Wingate tests or the uh, lactate analysis tests and all that. Always the guinea pig there. Um, and, and what I find with the industry at the moment is that endurance endurance athletes as i said they're, they're quite neglected in in the sports science industry everyone's sort of going towards the strength and conditioning is probably the main one um yeah, getting really into into the into the gym gym scene and doing um you know field-based sports and, and power lifting sports that sort of thing um and also clinical rehabilitation you know doing um exercise physiologists who, who help people who are um you know sick or unwell or have movement deficiencies and and that sort of thing. So um, there wasn't really m- many options for the endurance market uh, other than perhaps the Victorian Institute of Sport or the Australian Institute of Sport. They're probably the, the two main ones out there. Um, a couple of smaller companies around that, that you know, focus just on cyclists or, or just on swimmers, which, you know, that what your category would come under there. Um, but I really wanted to, to get into the, the VO2 max testing and, and, and helping athletes, you know, take the guesswork out of their training. Um, and look, there was nothing around. So obviously the VIS is 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 uh, they focuses focus predominantly on the elite category. So I found the gap in the market with with that age group amateur athlete variety and bit the you know bit the bullet and and bought all the equipment and set up within about three months of deciding I was going to do it, um, and then sort of just went went from there. So just the lack of opportunity for those for those endurance athletes. So just need to needed to put something out there on the market so everyone has access to the same. Uh, to the same sports science services, yeah. Mm. And and who, if yeah, if you had uh, had the option to to choose who came to you, who would be the the ideal person that you that you feel you could get the the best results with? So, what sort of um, uh, sort of level would they be at? What sort of training would they be doing? And what would they be training towards? Yeah. So look. Uh, the big benefit about doing this testing is you get these training zones. So they're going to actually benefit everybody because it takes it completely takes the guesswork out of, of um, where you should be training because we, we directly measure that lactate and we directly measure the, um, the VO2 responses that happen. So um, the clients that get the, the most benefit uh, are generally a age, so sort of like a top age, a top end age group athlete or someone who, who does well in their, in their amateur category. Um, who really want to make that that next step to either be winning that age group or even maybe pushing up to that to that next uh, elite or professional level there. So um, somebody who who obviously already does a fair bit of training, have been you know whether it's ten to or twenty five hours a week doesn't really matter. Um, somebody who's really already been in the sport for um, you know a number of years, two or three years or, or above, uh, and already have that, a good sort of base engine and. Basically, a lot of people that come in, it's because they've plateaued in their performance. They're, they're doing the same training that they have for the last couple of years and they're not getting quicker or faster and they, they need to figure out why. So in, if I was going to break it into age groups, look, it's really anybody you know, from you know, 15 years up to sort of 55 years and that's a very, that's a very broad range of, range of ages. But um, as long as you're sort of relatively injury-free uh, and looking to – and if, you hit it, if you've hit a plateau or you're just looking to take that – that performance to the next level, um, say definitely benefit in doing this sort of testing. Simply, if you're not interested in VO2 max or your threshold, just simply to get your training zones. So when you're doing your, your long, slow stuff, you know you're doing it at the right intensity. And when you're doing your hard stuff, you also know 
you're doing it at the right intensity too. So uh, a big goal out of out of this company is obviously that, and you see it yourself, Brenton, that, that we've got the um, endurance athletes, like the, the prevalence of overuse injuries in, you know, in endurance athletes is just phenomenal. I, I read an article the other day um, where I think it was something like 90% of endurance runners you know have experienced overuse injury in the last uh, couple of years whatever it is hmm. um and it's it's basically uh the, the goal of of Mets performance consulting is to get somebody to to understand their training zones and understand the physiological adaptations that occur at each zone so that they can do the absolute minimum amount of training while maximizing the the benefits they get from it. So we try to eliminate all those junk kilometers and training in the wrong zones. And, and every session has a highly specific focus to get a highly specific outcome, which then builds together to create a fit athlete while doing, you know, spending as, as little time as possible actually training. And so you can spend more time recovering and getting on with your life. As we said, everyone here is sort of, they come through the doors are just the age group population. So nobody does this full time. So obviously they've got work to do and they've got a family. Um, so if they can minimize the amount of time of training, then it's going to help their well-being. It's going to help their health because they're, they're recovering more, more time than they are actually training itself. Mm. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of similarities um, with, yeah, with, with the athletes you I guess find find the the ideal sort of client where you can get the best results for them, and a similar thing with us. I mean, we we work with people who are really quite new to the sport, and they they get a lot out of the clinics that we we do. Uh, but to get the most improvement, you've got to be swimming regularly, and we sort of have a rule of thumb that minimum three times a week is what you've got to be doing to really start to see an improvement. So if as long as you you're doing that and you, you've been swimming consistently rather than one week on and two weeks off. You know, if you're in the water consistently and you've got a really good sort of idea of um, you know, how, how things feel in the water, then you can really start to see some improvements in your stroke because we'll give you two or three main aspects of your stroke to adjust and change and think about for the next couple of weeks and months. And it's, uh, it kind of reminds me of a, uh, a quote that, um, that Andrew Reid, who, who you might know, who's a, a strength coach down our way, he, one thing I saw he posted on Facebook was something along the lines of like, if you, it doesn't, all these sort of little 1% things don't matter if you're not doing the basics or the fundamentals right. And he was talking about, you know, people who are, uh, have a lot of sugar and, and just junk food and crappy food in their diet, yet they're really concerned about, you know, having this, you know, one little supplement and, and having that, you know, making this big deal of, should I take this supplement or that supplement? But it doesn't matter if you're not getting the basics right. And I think the same thing goes for, you know, for, for what you do, you know, people need to be, you know, consistently training. They need to have a good idea of what they're currently doing. And then you can help them make those small tweaks to their, their sessions and, and how they view the, the goals for each of those sessions. And that way you can really help just steer them in the right direction because it's much easier to move a, you know, a, a to, to steer a moving car than a park car. So, uh, yeah, I think that's um, something that, that's common in, um, among both uh, what we both do. And, uh, and, and so do you work with athletes outside of triathlon? So what other sports uh, people do you work with? Yeah, so we we don't we don't discriminate here, mate. We any endurance athlete can come in, come on in. So yes, yeah, swimmers, uh, a few swimmers have come through. Plenty of triathletes come through. A lot of cyclists come through. Um, runners of all distances, so anywhere from sort of fifteen hundred up to those ultra distance hundred milers, they come through the doors, um, and rowers as well. So uh, the, the swimmers, runners, 
riders, triathletes, rowers are the, are the main ones that come through. Um, we'll be looking to expand to cross-country skiing down the track, but that's uh, uh, a market I haven't looked too far into yet, keeping the feet well on the ground there. But anyone who does an endurance endurance activity, and endurance activity is literally more than two minutes. You know, anything over two minutes is actually an endurance sport. Um, so anyone who does any of that sort of stuff, uh, that's who we, we cater for, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, for those listening, whereabouts are you you're located and how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, we're, we're located in Croydon North. Um, and best way to get in contact is just go to the metsperformance.com website um, and it's, it's pretty straightforward from there. Good stuff. Well, Luke, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And um, I sort of found out about what you do through uh, some, some friends of mine who, who are physios and, and triathletes. And um, they got a lot out of, of the testing and um and they're i mean they've really switched on to their training and i, I know this stuff uh, helped them just get a much better idea of where they should be sitting in terms of heart rate zones and that sort of thing so um for those listening if you're interested in this um go and see luke out out in croydon here in victoria and uh yeah metsperformance.com uh for that and we'll provide the links in the the show notes so uh, luke thanks again and uh, i'm sure we'll meet in person sometime soon no worries at all mate thanks for having me on Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.